Good morning, everyone, and we welcome those who are joining us online this morning as well. We're going to be continuing with our series on uh, dealing with the elephant in the family room. And so this morning, we want to talk about an elephant that makes its way into the family room. And the devil loves to use this elephant to create feelings of shame and inadequacy in Christian parents. The issue we're going to tackle today is prodigal children who are on the run from Jesus. You know, there's no more painful issue than to raise your child in a loving and godly Christian home, do all the right things, and then watch them choose to reject Jesus. And when that happens, the devil often will pile upon parents overwhelming feelings of failure, guilt, and that cause parents to just hide away from others because they're so embarrassed and ashamed over what has happened in their own family. We often say, well, I raised them right, and so God, how could this happen to my child? What do you do when your child rejects the value system and how you have raised them and taught them and decides to live a lifestyle that is contrary to what you approve? You know, the statistics are kind of staggering about how many young adults between the ages of 18 and 30 begin to wander from the faith. There's five top reasons from the church dropouts that say why they stopped attending church. And you'll see it on the screen. The very first one is all about having moved to a college. And just in that simple move to college, they stop attending church. Church members seem judgmental or hypocritical. They don't feel connected to people in their church. They disagree with church stance or their work responsibilities prevent. And in this time frame of the... Uh, early and late 20s, all of these things are beginning to happen, and it begins to cause young adults and young people to stop coming to church who were, were most likely raised in a church environment and were involved in a church. So the trend has left many Christian parents in a state of hurt and confusion clueless about how to respond. So today, I want to offer some hope from a familiar story that we all probably know about found in Luke chapter 15. We're going to read verses 11 through 32, and I really pray that this will give you direction if you're facing this situation with one or more of your children. But I want to add this on top of that, and that is the fact that while some of us may have a prodigal child, all of us know people in the faith who have walked away from the faith. All of us probably know somebody, whether it's a family member or a close friend or someone that we have attended church with for a long time, and all of a sudden we realize that they have left the faith. You know, this story is not just showing us what happens within our family and how to respond, but this story is showing us how the family of God should be responding to those who are far from faith as well. So let's begin by reading verse 11 through 32. To illustrate the point farther, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I would like my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, 
a great famine had swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and filled with compassion, his father ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, but father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house, put it on him, get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but is now found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working, and when he returned home, he heard the music and the dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, what was going on? Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fatted calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. Well, the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I have slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back, after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, You've always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother. He was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now is found. First, there's something that I want you to know about this family, and that is this, that this was a loving, healthy, God-honoring family. This father had worked hard to instill the right values into his son's. But then the unthinkable happens to one of them. And this godly father sees his youngest son rejecting everything he had been taught. And when that happens to any parent, we get a flood of emotions from hurt, guilt, shame, tension, distress, anger, despair. I don't know of any greater heartache than for a Christian parent to watch their child reject God and run off to a distant country or a distant place that is far from God. And when his youngest son had come in the story to him and asked for his inheritance, I can only imagine what that father must have felt. The text tells us that the father divided his property between his two sons and then that his son took all of that and went and wasted it away. It was like the father divided his life to honor his sons, and the one son just wasted it. 
And when you have a prodigal, oftentimes it feels like a part of you is missing. The father stood at the, at the road watching for his son to return. And many, pro, uh, many parents of prodigals stand waiting and watching for a child to return. And, and, and it becomes a, a heavy thing to bear. And when your child does decide to move to a distant country, you've got to have God's wisdom in dealing with them. You've got to know the decisions and actions that you are making have to be bathed within the Holy Spirit because those decisions and those actions can open the door for their return. And we want the best possible return for those prodigals. But because of frustration, hurt, and confusion about a child who has left the faith or has chosen to walk away, many parents will respond in the wrong responses. They'll respond out of anger, out of rejection, and they'll begin to destroy the very relationship that they had with their children. Or they have created an environment in their home that's filled with tension, strife, and anger. The father in this story had every right to be angry because according to tradition, the son's request was offensive. Normally, your inheritance was given when you passed away or when a father retired. And asking for his inheritance early was really treating his father as if he was dead. So the focus of this parable is how the father responded to a son on the run. Jesus shows us how to respond to these children who are running from faith. But I want you to keep this in mind as we go through these responses, because maybe you don't have a child who's on the run today. But we know people who have left their faith. We know people who have walked away from God. And so as we go through the different points of this story, I want you to take a look at how your responses are with regards to how you are treating those who have left the faith. Maybe some of your brothers or some of your sisters in the Lord. Maybe you grew up with some people from youth group and 10, 20, 30 years ago, now you know they're not serving the Lord. That's a prodigal. That's a prodigal in the family of God. So the, the focus here is about how the father responds. And that needs to be our focus, whether it is our own child or whether it is a brother or sister in the Lord. So the first response is this. Instead of trying to control his son, he gave his son space. Even though he could have refused his son's request, the father let his son have his inheritance early. He didn't stiffen his neck. And he didn't tell him, you can't have it. I won't allow it. You're going to stay right here in this house, and you're going to fulfill your family duties, and you're going to come alongside in this family business. The question becomes, why didn't this father stop his son or become offended at his choices? Why didn't he? Let's take a look at two reasons. And the first reason is this, that the father trusted God with his son believing God would ordain circumstances to change his son's heart. The father trusted God with his son. Do you trust God with your children? Do you trust God with your, ch with your child? In April of 2007, 
Our oldest son was a senior in high school at the time. And because of something that had happened at the church concerning our family, he got so upset and angry and hurt that he literally ran away from home to Buffalo, New York. He stayed with very, very close friends of ours, but basically he, he cut ties. I could have forced him to stay home because he was underage. I could have forced him with two months left of high school to finish out, but I felt the Lord told me to let him go and not to stop him. I knew in my heart that I couldn't stop him, and I sensed that if I even tried, I would lose him. And during those few weeks, there was silence between us. And all I kept praying was, God, he's yours. God, he's yours. And I was heading overseas for three weeks in Ukraine that spring to lead two women's conferences. And so due to the circumstances that we were facing in our home, I decided not to go, and I decided to send others in my place. And after making this decision, I was doing laundry one day and with the thought on my mind constantly that my son was far from us and disconnected from us. I began to fold a t-shirt. And on the t-shirt, the word said, expect the incredible. And at that moment, I broke into tears because I knew it was a message from the Lord. And as I looked at that t-shirt, I couldn't even remember whose t-shirt it was, which child's t-shirt it was, and I had never seen the t-shirt before. And so as I looked at it, I was stunned because I couldn't remember ever seeing this one t-shirt. And so immediately I sensed the Spirit prompting me that this is for you. Expect the incredible. Expect your son to come home. And what was interesting was it wasn't long after that about a week, that we received a call that the Lord had touched his heart and had, had, had worked on his heart and that he was going to return home. And when he learned that I had canceled my trip, he said to me, Mom, you can't cancel. You've got to go. You've got to go and do what God's called you to do. He said, I will see you on the other side of the trip when you get home, but don't you dare stay home. I don't tell you that story to say that Ken and I are perfect parents because we are not. I tell you that story to encourage you because I am just so grateful that I listened to what the Lord was telling me to do in that moment, that I actually listened. Because oftentimes, as parents, we get promptings from the Lord, but our fear and our frustration and our anger take over, and we act out of those things rather than acting out of the prompting of the Spirit. And when your child has decided that they want to move away and never come back and not finish high school and throw everything away, all you want to do is come around them and, and control it and try to get sense into their head and, and uh, try to kick their butt so that they, they do things the way you want them done. But the Lord has other ways. And oftentimes, we have got to trust God with our kids. We've got to trust God with those who are far from him. The second reason the father let him go rather than trying to control him is because sometimes children need to experience a distant land in order to realize what they have at home. Sometimes kids need to know what it's like out there. 
And the son in the story, the prodigal son, got a rude awakening when his money and his friends ran out. His eyes were opened in that distant land. And, and notice that the parable doesn't say how long that was. It seems rather quick from verse 11 to 32, but we don't know if it was six months or five years or 10 years or 20 years. The Bible doesn't tell us that. That's the hardest part. The toughest part is waiting in the in-between from when the prodigal leaves to when they come home. My point is that trying to control and hold tighter to a child in order to get them to do what you want will not get you the results that you want. It won't work. And in this story, the father was a wise father, and he didn't try to control his son, either son. Even when the oldest was angry and upset, he didn't try and control his reactions. We've got to give our children space to figure things out. And that's hard, and that can be painful to watch. I wonder how many nights the prodigal father cried himself to sleep because his son was gone. Response number two, he didn't try to mold his son into his image, but he allowed him to be who he was. You see, sometimes as parents, we want to make our children clones of ourselves. We want to make them mini-me's. We want them to look like us, act like us, and follow in our footsteps instead of following the footsteps that God has created for them to follow. I mention this because children don't always reject us or reject parents because they want to do something sinful. Sometimes it's because they feel like they cannot be who they were created to be because mom and dad are forcing them into a mold to be like them and they don't feel accepted for who they are. It's the child who isn't good at and doesn't embrace sports but loves music. It's the child who excels at a trade when the expectation was a college degree. Or even the child that is being groomed to take over a family business and the child doesn't have the passion or the desire for that, yet feels completely obligated. The father in this story didn't tell his son, son, you need to be more like me. Why aren't you like your older brother? He's compliant. He's following in the family business and he's doing everything I tell him. What's wrong with you? You see, the father didn't do that. And you and I have got to be okay if our children are not wired like us. We need to let them follow God's design for their lives. But that's so much easier said than done. It requires a lot of grace from God. And even when they're trying to find their way in God, it requires a lot of grace. Jesse, the father of King David, didn't even understand the calling on his own son because when Samuel came and said, I want to see your sons because I want to anoint one as the king, he left David in the field because he was the different one. He was the forgotten one, but yet he was the one that was anointed as king. God had a plan to make him more than what his father ever imagined he could be. Response number three from the, product, from the father, he didn't judge him according to his actions. He loved him unconditionally. The lifestyle that the son was living while in the distant land was absolutely horrendous. The, and, and he indulged in immoral vices and lacked moral discipline. To add salt to the father's wound and pain by just not only leaving him, he took the money that was 
that was his father's, that was his inheritance, and he wasted it on an immoral lifestyle. And the father knew that and watched that. Yet this father's heart was moved not to rescue, not to fix, but to respond, watch and wait for his son to return. And that's the key. He refused to judge his son. He refused to be critical. And he left the door of his home wide open for his son's return. See, the son sensed he could return home no matter what he had done. The son knew it in his heart that he could return home no matter what. Does your prodigal child know that they can return home? One of the biggest problems in the family of God is that often when people have fallen or walked away from the Lord, there is so much shame in coming home to the family of God. Do the people who you know who have wandered from the faith or who have left the faith, have you given them an open road back to Jesus through your life and through your relationship and through your friendship? When I went in to work in corporate offices, we, of course, had pastored many, many years, and, and I walked into that place and got on a team, and lo and behold, there was a young man who had grown up in our church who was on my team, and he'd walked away from the Lord. I knew his story. I knew his family's story. It was a hard one. It was a difficult one. It wasn't a very good upbringing. And so as I got reconnected with him and we, we worked together day after day after day, I constantly prayed. And of course, he knew we were pastoring. He would ask, how's the church? Who's, how's this? How's that? And I kept waiting and waiting for the moment to ask him. And that moment came. He came to my desk one day and he just sat down and we just began to, to talk. And I shifted the conversation and I said to him, I said, when you come in home, and he started to just cry. He knew exactly what I was talking. He said, well, you know, I know I need to get back in church. And, I, you know, I need to. I really do. And now that I have a family and now that I have this. And I kept saying, when you come in home, when is enough enough? You know the Lord loves you. You know what he's done in your life. When are you coming home? And he cried and he said, I don't know. I don't know. And so to this day... He has yet to come home. But I carry him in my heart praying for him. And I trust that God will bring others into his heart, into his life, to take him one step farther. See, that's all of our responsibility, is to help open the door to bring a prodigal son or daughter in the family of God home. That's how this story relates to every single one of us in this room today. You may not have... A, a prodigal child, but you have prodigal brothers and sisters that belong here in the family of God. And you know of them, or you've lost contact with them, and they need a place to be able to come home and not feel judged and not feel ashamed, but feel welcomed and loved. See, loving people doesn't mean we condone behavior. Loving people doesn't mean we condone 
behavior. The father didn't condone his son's waste of the money and waste of his lifestyle. But he still loved him. Loving doesn't mean we condone a behavior. And when your child isn't living the way you want, don't distance yourself from them and break off the relationship. Don't always feel like you have to kick them out of the house, even though it's sometimes I recognize it is necessary. It's not our job to judge their actions. It's our job to love them unconditionally. See, the prodigal father responded to his son's behavior. That response paved the way for his son to return home. He paved the way for a return home. Your child knows what they're doing is wrong. They don't need to hear it from you. And what they need you to do is to love them no matter what. And when they ask for your advice, to give it to them. This inability to do this is ripping our families apart. I've heard parents tell children, get out of my house, you're not going to live here. And you're not going to do that because we don't believe in that. I'm not saying there's not a time to confront or even ask a child to leave a house, but what I'm saying is how it's done is it's extremely critical. How you, re- how you respond to the brokenness of your own child is critical. It can't be done out of anger or frustration. It must be done out of love. Response number four Don't blame yourself or take responsibility for their choices. The devil would make you feel like a failure when you have a prodigal child. We ask ourselves, what did I do wrong? I asked myself over and over again through that experience with our oldest son, what did I do wrong? What happened? I did the best that I could. The enemy wants you to blame yourself. But according to the story here in Luke 15, the answer might be you did absolutely nothing wrong. Because all human beings have free will and free choice. And an individual can exercise it at any time. And unfortunately, even the best Christian parents in the world, your child can decide to reject everything you've taught and travel to a distant land or run away from home. And realize the best father in the world, our heavenly father, has a whole lot of prodigals out there. Our Heavenly Father, not even every one of His kids is doing exactly what He's asked them to do. And those that He's running hard after are running away from Him. And yet, how does the Lord respond to you and I? Kindness and love. Open arms. So the prodigal son, he allowed his son the space to run out his choices and then feel the consequences of them. Isn't that how our Heavenly Father does with you and I? If we make wrong choices, if we leave the flock, if we decide not to follow Christ, he gives us space. He doesn't condemn us, but he keeps calling us home. He keeps waiting for us to come home. I love it. I love the story on the crosses in in Scripture when the thief on the one side of Jesus says, will you remember me? And Jesus says, you'll be with me in paradise. That's all Jesus is looking for to bring all the prodigals home is a bent towards him, and we are home with him. 
And we see that over and over again in the scriptures with Jesus. The devil wants to destroy you by getting you to blame yourself and take responsibility for stuff that doesn't belong to you. You've got to stop doing that. You've got to stop blaming yourself. Don't let the devil shame you or guilt you or make you feel like you're a failure because he wants to make you become ineffective as a believer and stop ministry. The story ends with the son returning home. Does it always end like that? No, unfortunately it does not. But the point of the story is this, that the father made it possible for his son to return home because of the way he responded to his son's bad choices. You will make it possible for your children to return home because of how you respond to their bad choices or choices that are different than yours. And we will make the road home, make the way possible for the prodigals in the faith to return home by the way that we respond to them and to their choices. There are many out there who were raised in church and have never come back as adults. There are many out there who had vibrant relationships with the Lord and somehow got hurt and disillusioned and have walked away and need a loving brother and sister in the Lord to respond well to welcome them home. That's all we can do as parents and that's all that we can do as family members in Christ. The rest is up to God. The rest is up to him. There's nothing more painful or stressful than watching a child make bad choices, but the Father shows us what to do if we find ourselves in that situation. He gives us hope that when we respond the right way, we increase the chances of our prodigals returning home. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I... I thank you that you have created a way home for each and every one of us. For you sent your son to die on a cross, to be resurrected, and to be the road home to you. You didn't leave us cut off from you. You provided the way. And it is your kindness that brings us to repentance. It is your love and your caring and your warmth that brings us home. Each one of us who have accepted the Lord as our Savior have felt that. Each one of us have felt that acceptance and that love and that caring, nurturing part of you as our Heavenly Father. And so, Lord, I ask and I pray for strength and grace for those who are watching family members make poor choices. For the parents who are watching their son or their daughters making choices that are breaking their hearts. Lord, I pray for strength and for grace. I pray for wisdom for how to respond in all of those situations. Maybe their children are in the home and maybe their children are, have already moved out of the home. I pray for wisdom to respond in the heart of Jesus toward those children. And Father, I pray for each of us as we know those who have walked away from the faith, whether they're in our, our sphere of friendships, whether they're in uh, extended family, whether they're in our neighborhood, or they are from long ago relationships. Father, give us the grace to respond well to the prodigals of your family 
as the, as the Father waited and watched. Lord, you are waiting and watching for hearts to turn to you. And you are excited to bring them home into your love, to bring forgiveness to them and to restore them. And this morning you may be here and you may be a prodigal child. You may be away from Jesus. You may be far from him. You may be running from God. Or you may be sitting here realizing I've got to come home. I've run away and now it's time to come home. And we want to give you that opportunity this morning. So as eyes are closed, heads are bowed, if that is you, would you just take a step of faith and raise your hand because we want to pray with you and acknowledge that and we'll do a, a corporate prayer together. Is there one who's a prodigal or who's coming home or maybe for the first time you're like, I need Jesus. I've been afar off. Is there anyone this morning? Would you stand with me? And I'm going to ask the prayer team if they will come to the altar. I know it's sometimes as we prayed corporately over our healing and, and different things that we were going through earlier in the service, I do know that sometimes we need just that one-on-one. -on -one. And so our prayer team is here for you this morning to pray and to talk to one-on-one. -on -one. And so I just invite you, I invite you to lean in to lean into all that God has for you and to remember as you leave this morning, remember the prodigals in the family of God and ask the Lord to give you wisdom and grace to reach to them and to be the brother and sister in Christ that you need to be to bring them home. Just one more announcement. We have a loose change offering immediately when you leave the doors. The ushers are ready for you. And if you're interested in partnership, for our Life Church, we have a, a partnership class tomorrow, and more information is in your bulletin if you want to look at that. Have a wonderful weekend. God bless everyone.